Welcome back to the Fertility Podcast. This is episode four of season two, and this is the start of National Fertility Awareness Week, where I'm putting out an episode every day just to raise awareness as much as I can of the number of people affected by infertility. Hashtag one in six is what National Fertility Awareness UK are using this year. There's going to be loads of information on my blog, thefertilitypodcast.com, about how you can get involved. There's links through to what National Fertility Awareness Week are doing, as well as my interview with Cara Myhill, the campaign manager, which I started this season with. Now, I've got some giveaways, which is the first time on the podcast, and they're from my next guest, a lady called Carmen Martinez, who, from her own infertility struggles, found herself painting pictures and writing books. So I'm going to let Carmen tell her story, and then at the end, I'll tell you how you can get in touch to get yourself one of her amazing books. Right, we're going now to Mexico on the Fertility Podcast, where it gives me great pleasure to introduce a lady that I've only just recently met on Twitter, Carmen Martinez Jover. Have I said it right? Yes, you said it really well. Your pronunciation is excellent. Good. Well, that was my Spanish A-level, hopefully coming into play. Welcome, Carmen. Are you all right? Yes, fine, thank you. And thank you so much for this invitation. Well, no, it's lovely to, as we were just actually saying before I started recording, it's lovely to find people on Twitter, especially as far away as you in Mexico. Um, But that's the wonder of the internet. And one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to Carmen is she has a, a fertility story to share, but she has many hats She's an artist, an author, uh, the director of the Mexican Infertility Association, a regression therapist. We're going to focus on her art work, though. Carmen, it sounds like you're very busy. Yes, yes. And um, I, want, I want to share something to start off with. Art, I thought art, I always thought art as artist, right? So when I started promoting my work, my book, um, I saw um, that there was an event in India. It was called Fifth Congress of Endoscope Infertility and Art. So I thought, oh, my God, only in India would they combine infertility and art. So right. I wrote to them in India, and, um, and they said, uh, oh, yes, we'll invite you. And later on, I figured, I, well, I realized that it was assisted reproductive technology, that it had nothing to do with art. So I was terribly embarrassed. But thanks okay. to that, that's how my story started and how I started promoting my book and internationally. Am I right in saying that your book, I Want to Have a Child, Whatever It Takes, was your first book? Yes, my first book, my autobiography. Do you want to talk a little bit more about your, your story, to what led you to, to write the book? Yes, of course. Well, it took me a long time to become a mother, and during the years, well, I've got very depressed, and I started painting my emotions. And without knowing, those paintings turned out to be a therapy for me. And I painted chairs. And everybody said, oh, why chairs? Well, because I wanted another chair at my table. I wanted a family. You know, I love the gathering around the table and eating and talking. So I started painting emotions as chairs. Chairs with needles, chairs crying, chairs not going, not knowing which path to take. And um, that's how I started painting the chairs. And then I realized that, um, you know, the chairs helped other people. But anyway, basically, I had three in vitros, and I'd be pregnant for for about a month or so, and then I'd lose it. And um, I'd get so depressed. And I thought I was the only person all alone. There were no support groups then. And I got really, really depressed. I lost the sense of living because, for me, I just wanted to be a mother. I mean, that's all I wanted in life, to be a mother. How long ago were we talking that you were trying to conceive? Well, my daughter's now 16. Okay. Uh, I had been married for 18 years when she arrived. Okay. It was a long journey. 
And, and you were in Mexico at the time? Yes, in Mexico all the time. So um, when I'd get depressed, I'd say, oh, that's it, this is not for me. And here in Mexico, you pay for your treatment. So, you know, you get the money and get the treatment, and then it doesn't turn out. And I was like really, really down and depressed. But I didn't see anybody. You know, I didn't go to any therapy or anything. And then three years later, I'd go for another treatment. But time is an important factor. Each time I went for another treatment, it was three years later. By the time I had my last treatment, I was already 39. And um, what I want to share with my book is, you know, for people to get informed and, you know, there are people who can help you. So don't wait, try, you know, stay there on your own and uh, go for help. And there are lots of people and different alternatives and all kinds of support groups that can help you. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the focuses that we have here on the Fertility Podcast is just making sure people are aware what's out there, especially if you're not particularly keen on telling those nearest and dearest to you what you're going through, which I'm sure you found. And I'd be interested to know what the perception of infertility in Mexico was like and is like now. Yes. Well, infertility, people don't really share it. Well, at first you do because you're like really excited, your first treatment, and especially you tell your friends. But then when you get the negative and you have to tell everybody the negative, well, then you stop sharing and you're having a treatment and you don't tell anybody, right? And um, also nowadays, for instance, in, here in Latin America, uh, egg donation isn't, uh, people aren't open to egg donation. So that's even more secretive, right? And, um, but yes, um, people don't tend to share that much. And... Um, you always say, you know, I'm really busy, I can't go. You start avoiding places with children. And people notice something's going on. And then people say the wrong things, you know. And they, mm. oh, I mean, aren't you, don't you want to have a child? And, you know, and, and uh, they start pressuring you. you get, there's a lot of social pressure here in Latin countries uh, to have children. And to be honest, when I was 40, I really, it was the first time I really questioned, do I want to be a mother or is it society or yeah. is it that I'm a person that whenever I wanted something, I've been able to get it, you know, so what is it? And then I said, no, I, I do want to be a mother. But then I didn't have any information. I didn't know about egg donation. I didn't know about all these advanced treatments. And um, so I started investigating on adoption. And um, I adopted my daughter, um, who is now 16, as I told you. But um, there's so much information. I, I feel that lack of information causes fear. So yeah. you have to get that information. And not because you get the information does it mean you're going to do it. Because people say, oh, no, no, I'm not going to investigate on a donation or no, 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 or, or adoption. But it's just getting information. It doesn't mean you're going to do it. And that information gives you a lot of peace. Yeah. Now, you mentioned about the kind of pressure in, in Latin countries. I mean, I think the pressure is, is worldwide to, to have a family. People who haven't been through um, a, a, a fertility problem um who don't have infertility kind of on their radar don't know the questions to ask and you've talked about the therapy with your art i'd be interested to know the the reaction to people that you've i know you've shown it and you've shown it all over the world haven't you and you're yes. still showing it yes i have and we are going to put links because it's not the best thing to convey obviously when we're chatting uh, we are going to put links in the show notes after but i'd be interested to to hear some of the feedback that you've had from people because the, the pictures are like you described they're they're so symbolic about the different stages that you were going through and i know when we chatted the other day i asked if you were a fan of frida Kahlo, and you said you were and if anybody listening 
knows the work that she did. She obviously went through her personal trauma and that was depicted in her art. And it's, it's a similar vein to some of the, 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 the work that, that you've done. And have you found that people have found they can empathise with you as a result of what you've painted? Yes, well, actually, when I give a lecture, it's, it's fascinating because it doesn't matter your culture, your religion or your language. The desire to be a mother is universal, right? But some people don't have the desire to be a mother, but in general terms, it's universal. And when, you sh when I give my lecture and I'm showing the painting, they identify with the painting. So if they're going through a depression, they see the painting, they identify with their intensity. So there's an immediate bonding with what I'm saying. And um, with that, for me, what is important is to help people change their attitude towards infertility. Because you can just be really depressed all the time, or you can start getting informed, start moving, and change your attitude every day and get informed. So through my work, I take them to those moments of depression, of anger, frustration, of not knowing what to do and feeling alone. And then um, I bring them up to positive things and, and changing your attitude, focusing on life in a different way. And what I learned in my journey was you can't base your happiness on something in the future. Because I would say, oh, in the future, when I have a baby, then I'll be happy. But it doesn't work that way. You have to be happy today, have goals, get, have you know, a goal that you want to reach to be a mother. But yet, that's not the only thing in life. Because then you stop valuing what you do have, right? So, um, so yes, the lectures worldwide, it's fascinating, to be honest. And I've been in India, Turkey. I've been in, you know, all Latin America. And it's really fascinating. Your journey, obviously, has had a massive impact in what your life is now. And I know you, you've also done a number of children's books. Well, um, first of all, and after my biography, someone said, well, you know, since you helped uh, parents who have adopted their child to share, um, you, know, you know, how do you share to your child that it's adopted? Well, you do it through a story. So they said, well, how would you help someone who had a child through egg donations? I said, oh, well, with the story. And I couldn't find one, so I wrote it. And that's how I started the first story on egg donation, about two rabbits, you know, who wanted to have a child. And then after that, it led to writing one on, um, I call it uh, Recipes of How Babies Are Made. And it starts with, you know, you know uh, to make a cake, you need flour, eggs, milk. And to need a baby, you need a sperm, an egg, and a womb. So... It has all the different recipes because, um, well, obviously you need the egg, the sperm, and the womb. So when one, there's a problem with one, well, then you need help. So it has the in vitro, egg donation, sperm donation, embryo donation. And in the end, it says uh, everyone around you was born from one of these recipes. And we're all the same. Because I right. believe if you inform a child, you shorten the time society takes to open up to all these new forms of conception. Um, 30 years ago, adoption was a taboo. 30 years ago, well, at least here in Latin America, living with your boyfriend was like, oh, dishonor for the family, right? And now yeah. it's normal. So how could you open people's minds towards egg donation, which every day is becoming, you know, more common? So that's why I wrote this children's book, to be able to shorten the time society takes in accepting these different forms. And then after that, um, I wrote another one for two dads. Because I think every child has the right to understand how they were conceived. So there's, it's a kangaroo one, and we've got these two dad kangaroos. And uh, they go to see wise William, who gives them a scroll and tells them what they have to do. So they go on this journey 
until they, they have their uh, child. And it was so successful that they asked me to do another one with twins. So there's one with just one child and another one with twins. And then after that, there was another a group of ladies who said, you know, when you come to 40 and you, don't, you haven't found a partner and you know it's either now you have a child or you don't, and they go for sperm donation. So how do you tell your child? And I, I really believe every child has that right. So I wrote this child for single mums by choice. You see, I love, I love the, the different areas that you've gone to because I was going to ask you, uh-huh. what, why, why, why do you need to tell your child? Why can't it just be that they were made how they were made? You, you let them think they were made how in a natural way, exactly. but you've just put such a good case forward. I mean, it, it's quite interesting that, like you say, every child does have a right, and why not make it less taboo and, and more understood? Uh-huh. What happens with this is when you, you know, say if you have a child through egg donation, right, or in vitro, right, and you have the story, the story helps you as an adult because it hurts to think how you could hurt your child if your child knew the child was conceived through IVF all through egg donation, right? So when you read it, you cr- I, I would cry with the stories on, on uh, adoption. And I'd read it to her when she was a baby before she could understand it. I'd read it and I'd cry. And I'd read it. And, I'd, and then I read it so many times that, you know, that that was it. You're just used to it, right? Yeah. So then um, I would tell her without understanding that she had been conceived that way. And then gradually the story helped me. Now, you can share or not share, but at least the child knows that way of conception exists. And then if the time comes and you're ready and your child's it, you share it. And if not, you don't. But the issue is with the parent, right? So if you have an issue, well, then the child will have an issue. But if you don't have an issue and you just look, I mean, my tummy didn't work. So, you know, you were born in the tummy of another lady, right? And I adopted you. If you say it that way and you feel it that way, your child takes it the same way. So basically, it's how you feel about sharing. And maybe at the beginning, you're not ready to share. And then maybe later on, you are. And when they come to this debate of disclosure or non-disclosure, for instance, if a child is born through egg donation, and suppose you've had diabetes all your life, and your child might be thinking, oh, I might have diabetes, when your child could never have diabetes. So why have your child go through something which would never be your child's yeah, problem? that's a very interesting point. No? However, it, it depends with you. If you want to share and you feel ready to share, share, you know. But the, the stories are a tool to help you. They look beautifully illustrated. Have you drawn them as well? My sister drew them. Okay. The very talented sisters. family. Ah, yes. And she did the most beautiful drawings. And they're yeah, they look lovely. Well, yes. What we're going to do is, I know you very kindly said that we can have access to some of your books. Yes, so exactly. we're going to have a little giveaway on the Fertility Podcast, which is actually the first time we're doing a giveaway. What next then? Because we're going to put all your details of how everyone can look at your pictures um, and find out more about you on the show notes. What are you up to next? Well, actually, my next project, it's still in testing, but it's an app that is about to come out. And I've been working on meditation tapes. And um, I have one which is to love yourself, because I think on this journey, you know, we blame ourselves for things. We get so depressed that the essence is to love yourself and, you know, to be back on your feet and to be in your center. Right. So there's one on to love yourself. There's another one, relaxation before fertility treatment, which I think is really important. I remember when I had my treatment, I said, oh, yes, I'm so positive, you know, and I was there and, come on, sperm, you can do it. Go for it. Come on. You can do it. Go on. And that's not really positive. You know, I mean, I was more stressed than anything. But mm. um, 
that's I did meditation, I did acupuncture, all of it. I'm a big fan of positive visualization and just really really truly believing it and actually a friend of mine who's just found out she has to have treatment who is the last person in the world I can ever imagine doing anything like this I've been talking to her about it so I think it's really important as something to consider and then there's another one which I really like which is you know how to get back on your feet it's a boost after negative result because normally you know you get negative and it's as if you're just abandoned you know there you are depressed negative you spent all your money you know, all your illusion has fallen down because we create an illusion. I mean, you're pregnant and you're thinking which school, the name, you, you know, you've got all this fantasy of having a baby. So when you get the negative result, it's not just a negative result. It's like your whole future has fallen down. It's like a bereavement, isn't it? It is. It is a bereavement. And other people don't understand it. Oh, well, it's good that that happened because it was most probably not a healthy baby, so you're lucky. But no, it's a bereavement. And it's and nobody can understand that unless you've been through it. And when you've gone through it several times, it's horrible. So this meditation, I describe it as if you're in the center of a maze, a dark maze. And, you know, you don't know the way out. You don't even have the strength to get out. So the meditation guides you to get that strength, you know, you look at the stars, because when we focus on the problem, you just make it stronger. It's to turn out looking towards the stars, breathing in that uh, energy from the stars, feeling that strength and standing up. And this is going to guide you out. So it's a beautiful meditation. And um, so that's my new project. Well, it all looks amazing. And when I put the, um, the details of your website uh, on the show notes, I'm going to say to people, go and look at the testimonials because people have said some wonderful things about you. Okay. You've obviously had a big impact on a lot yeah. of the people that you've met. Yes. And carry on doing what you're doing because yes. it's fascinating. Yes, and now we've formed a Latin American support group so that between the countries in Latin America, between all of us, we can sort of do more things together as a group. It's Great. called Red Trascender. So we're working with them as well. Okay, well, what I'll do, again, if you send me a link to that, we'll include that in the show notes, because okay. who knows, hopefully we, we might have a, a Latin American following for this podcast. And, um, wonderful. People can, fantastic. People can check that out. Well, Carmen, it's been wonderful to chat. Yes, Thank you has. for your time. Thank you. And good luck with the app and everything. Maybe we'll catch up again when, you, when you've got that going on. Oh, perfect. I'd love to. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. And take care. Bye. Bye. So Carmen, they're in Mexico as the Fertility Podcast is reaching even further around the world. Now, if you would like one of her storybooks, which are amazing, what I need you to do is email info at thefertilitypodcast.com. I'm going to do a random draw. I've got 10 copies of the book and I will let you know if you've been lucky enough. So good luck with that. Make sure you signed up to thefertilitypodcast.com. There's an episode coming your way every single day because it's National Fertility Awareness Week 2015 in the UK you might be listening to this podcast at another point but let me know any feedback you've got you can email info at thefertilitypodcast.com you can leave me a review on iTunes Stitcher or Spreaker all the details are again at thefertilitypodcast.com and all the information about Carmen just go to the show notes alright another link for you thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash season 2 ep4 that's thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash season two, ep four. And until tomorrow, see you then.